made to the extended cut. We got the one, the only, Kim Lyle. I'm taking over. I'm taking over, for real. Kim, before we get started. No, wait. I thought it would be good, because I, I know what you're going to do here, so I'm, I'm going to beat you to the punch. Oh, no. I thought it would be good for the people listening. All, both of them. All, yeah, clearly there were two. That's what Funderburg said last week. Both people. Um, Maybe one after Funderburg spoke. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just kidding. He was great. Um, I was thinking, you know, the folks at Radius Lexington, we see you on a regular basis. You're up there on the stage. You're hosting services, and and you're giving people tours. And But the folks that aren't here at Radius Lexington, you're a long-timer here. Um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I've been here for a little bit. Tell us, give us a brief history, and then tell us what do you do at Radius Lexington? Like a history of me, or a history of my involvement here? Is yes, that what you like? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I history got you. of the Lyles at Radius. Right, right. Um, there are multiple Lyles at Radius now, um, yeah. but um, the history of Kim Lyle at Radius actually started with Kim Yando at Radius. I was a single girl, um, and a group of my friends um, found this brand new church plant that was meeting on Sunday nights at Jam and Java called Radius Church. And so they said, let's go check this out. So I went with them, um, and it was I think that within the first months of Radius meeting. So wow. it was a very small contingent of people, um, maybe 20, um, all pretty fresh out of college, um, maybe some still even in college. Um, most of us were single. Jeremiah and Becca were engaged. John and Cheryl were, were obviously married. Um, and with had children. With children. I think Malachi was like two. Um but uh, started going there, actually met my husband there, so I became a Lyle there. And uh, we merged with the church out here that John had started called Oasis, and that was a bunch of uh, young families with a bunch of kids. And uh, we started meeting out here at Midway and then, you know, moved into the building um, 2012, I think, uh, 2011. And uh, yeah, we've been here ever since. So I came on staff, oh goodness, I can't remember the year, but it was a bunch of years ago, and I actually was the kids coordinator for a short period of time before I had my second kid, and when he came along, I took a break and then came back on staff probably about three years ago. So, cool. And what do you do? What do I do? I like to tell people that it's my job to connect people to each other and to the church. So... Um, in doing that, I do um, a lot of first-time folks. So when you turn in your Connect cards and you're a first-time visitor, you hear from me. Um, if folks would like to become partners, which is like our members, I handle the the partnering classes and then um, giving them their responsible pastors once they've signed their covenants. And then I do a lot of the partner communications once they are partners. Um, but also, I mean, those Connect cards, we get folks who want to plug in through serve teams or through groups, um, all kinds of different ways. So I, I plug them into those spots and connect them with those people that they need to talk to you to get to that next spot. So specifically here at Lexington, but a lot of those processes are the same at all of our locations. And so even though you may not be hearing from Kim Lyle, you might be hearing from Joe Pitts or someone else, right. Ryan Maloney, Andrea Crick. Right. Those processes are some things that started at Lexington and we help push out to the other places. Right, right. It's been yeah. it's been fun to, to go alongside the other churches and um kind of tell them, hey, we were there, and here's where we are now. Not that we do it better, but we've just been around a little longer, so we kind of know what works sometimes. <laughs> sometimes Wisdom we comes don't. with age, no doubt. Oh, yeah. That's good. Well, awesome. Yep. Thanks for being on here. I thought it would. it's always fun to have you on. You ask a lot of questions and uh, kind of give us a different perspective. 
it's a lot better perspective from like Ryan Maloney. True story. You know Doesn't take I mean? much though. The bar yeah. is low with that guy. <laughs> So Just I figured kidding. we'd do some Q&A, so yep. fire away, okay. Kim Lyle. Well, you didn't figure. I figured we'd do some Q&A, and I want to I wanna warm you up. So I'm going to start with some, like, Russell, easy, quick, rap, we'll call it radius rapid fire questions. And Go. then we'll get into some, like, deeper, heavier stuff. Okay, first right. car. What was your first car? First car, 1985 Cadillac Sedan DeVille, handed nice. down to me from my mom. So it was a 11-year-old 11 year, 11 year white caddy. White. Only had three hubcaps. So nice. uh, guys in, I grew up in Houston, so the guys in the hood called it three-wheel motion. Nice. And, I um, like it. Yeah, man. It was That's awesome. That's great. That would be like your rapper name. Three-wheel motion. Yeah, there you go. That's Sounds it. right. <laughs> it was a maroon interior, man. Wow. Sweet. Wow. Uh, sports you played as a kid? Ooh. Or were there any? Yeah, a lot of soccer growing up, uh, football, basketball, baseball, track. Got to high school, just kind of did the the football and track thing. Okay. Yep. First job? First job was um, Joshua's Christian Bookstore. Wow. Drove into the the uh, kind of the heart of Houston to be a, I was a clerk at Joshua's Christian Bookstore, which is now Family Christian Bookstores. Oh, wow. So, um, so yeah, that was it. So you can claim you, like, started that is what you should say. Like, I, like, I was there at the beginning. I, like, started that. So I was, yeah. the, I could embalm, embalm, emboss Bibles. <laughs> I didn't embalm anything. <laughs> no. That's bad. I don't feel like that'd go well. Uh, cut that out, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am, I embossed Bibles, you know, so the yeah. gold, yeah, I could say script or, or, you know, print or whatever, right, and then right. the gold or silver, depending yeah. on how it matched. It was great. Wow. What a yeah. skill. Yeah, it was great. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Last meal that you cooked. Mm. Last meal that I cooked. If you consider cracking a can of Vahini weenies. Oh, geez. That would be cooking. That I'm would, so sorry, Terry. Well, I didn't do that for Terry. Okay. Typically, I only cook when she's gone. Right. Because she doesn't want to eat Vahini Weenies. So, um, I don't blame her. So, yeah, even though like the kids the other day, they were like, Dad, we're, we're, you're cooking tonight, right? And they had it had been a while since we had cracked open a can of smoked Vahini Weenies. <laughs> wow. They were kind of hoping for that and some A1 steak sauce or oh. maybe some Cholula. Yeah, that's what I do. That, wow. Hey, Come on over, the Lyles. I'm, you know, I'm good, thanks. I'm, I'm busy that we day. We buy those things in like the 24 packs. Wow, that's fascinating. It's great, isn't it? Let's move along. Hmm. Somewhere you... You ask. <laughs> I'm sorry that I did. <laughs> wow. Um, somewhere you'd like to go that you've never been. Oh, easy, Israel. Wanna you've go never to the been? Whole, no. Wow, I, I you should a, go. had a chance to go my senior year in college. I was a Bible major. They were taking yeah. a trip. But they canceled the trip because uh, just the instability there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, never got a chance to do it again. It's on my radar. It should be, yeah. Radius road trip. Radius road trip. Yeah. Sign up now. So anyway, I'm thinking that that's that's what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, a person that you'd like to meet that's still alive. Mm, a person I would like to meet that's still alive. Wow. That's a good one because yeah. my mind goes to a couple of different ways. A couple of different ways. Um, sports. Okay. Yeah, I 
think of some guys to meet there. Wow. That's a good one, Kim. Do you need to think on it and give us your answer maybe at the end? Man, yeah, let me, we could let me, tease let me, it. Let me process that in my keep mind your, a little bit. Keep both listeners all the way to the end yeah. to hear your answer. <laughs> People are dying to know who I want to meet, I'm sure. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's good. That's really good. All right. all right, we'll sit on that one. Maybe we'll revisit. Great question. All right, and we're getting a little deeper now. How do you prepare for a sermon? What mm. do you study? And I know one thing I always wonder is um, you do it, and some of our other um, communicators do it, but you you actually very seldomly use notes. Obviously, you'll open your Bible and read from there, but um, usually you don't have a ton of notes out there with you. And all of our communicators kind of use a different structure when it comes to that. But how yeah. do you how do you prep and how do you do that? How are you able to do that? Um, so. <laughs> My dad, my dad will uh, ask me sometimes on a Sunday or if I talk to him like on the weekend, he'll say, hey, are you preaching? And I'll say, yes. He goes, well, did you find a good one online? <laughs> Implying that I would go online and find my sermons. Uh, so anyway, running joke between me and my dad. Nice. I do not do that. I do not do that. Um, yeah, for me, sermon prep is uh, depends on what it is. A lot of times it can be really devotional for me. So um I say that, and there are people out there who it, it's incredibly intellectual. It's gotcha. A, so you read through it, and it's an intellectual approach. Sometimes it depends on if I've preached through it before or not. So right. for me, I've preached through Joseph. I kind of have done the intellectual piece of it right. so that gotcha. I can learn the story and the background. This time, the books I'm reading to prepare, um, I'm reading it more devotionally. What, what do I What do I learn? What What is? How is God going to speak to me in this? Um, so that's, uh, kind of the way it works. Do a lot of reading up front, typically four or five commentaries, just reading through those passages, um, and then try to formulate it in an outline form. So I do not manuscript my sermons. Other guys do. Okay. And, um... I just, I can't do it. So right. Chuck Swindoll, John Piper, those guys manuscript everything, John MacArthur, and they read it, and they read it in such a way that it comes across like they're not reading Interesting. It. Almost like a speech. Very much like okay. a speech. Gotcha. Um, then there, so then there are guys like me who would be more extemporaneous. So I know the big points that I'm trying to hit, right. and then I fill in the gaps while I'm up there. Gotcha. So um, with that said, I'm... I'm still pretty pretty clear on what I'm going to say. I don't yeah. shoot from the hip real often. Right. I can imagine that would be scary. <laughs> yeah, so I'm 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 pretty polished with my even though I would be considered an extemporaneous speaker, it's still pretty polished. So yeah. first and second service nearly identical. Does that make sense to you like yes. how we're reading? So, um that's the way I do it. Uh, it's just Do you practice? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you just walk around saying it, or you? How does that work? Depends. There are places where I know it's going to be a little tricky, so I go and I go over those. My introduction. um, Some people probably think it's a little too polished, but I go over my intro a ton. Yeah. I go over it. I want it to be clear because if not, it'll last ten minutes, and then I won't have have time for the rest of it. Yeah. If I know my points and there's three or four points, they're really easy. Right. Hopefully I got them from the text so that they're in the text so I don't need notes because the text is reminding me of the point. Yeah. And if the point is from the text, then I don't have to have it in front of me. So some people think, hey, how do you not have notes? Well, I do. It's just just in the Bible, not not on a sheet of paper. Right. 
It's a good place to have notes. Yes, yeah, not I'd, bad. I'd recommend it. Not bad. Good, good. Um, so we are six weeks into this series. Yep. Um, we have what five more? Is that right? Yes, Four, we're five? doing twelve weeks. Twelve, so we got six mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Um, and the the kind of theme that has been um, repeated each week is character is formed by overcoming obstacles. Yep. And then each week is kind of a different obstacle. So can you review view for us the uh, the six weeks quickly? Yeah. So that has been my verbiage. I'm not sure everybody's used the same verbiage, but we have we've all talked about some sort of obstacles in Joseph's life. So for me, it was week one compromise. Uh, We looked at the passivity of Jacob. He was a compromiser from the beginning. And I think Joseph had a chance to compromise. He had a chance to compromise by not telling the dreams. He had a chance to compromise by um, not going and uh, getting his brothers. He had a chance to Mm -hmm. compromise in a few ways and he didn't. We also saw that. Um, Reuben didn't compromise when they were going to kill Joseph. He says, whoa, 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 let's not do that. So he chooses not to compromise. He's not passive. Uh, When we talk about being passive, we say don't address a situation. You see something happening and you don't say anything. Right. Um, Jacob saw that his brother, that his sons hated Joseph, didn't say anything. Um, Reuben sees that they're going to kill Joseph and he says something. So that's that one. Um, Second week was the uh, temptation. So there's this temptation that we all face. I talked about it in terms of lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. I think all temptation fall into one of those three buckets. And for uh, Joseph, the temptation of Potiphar's wife was Mm -hmm. clearly a lust of the flesh, but I think it was also pride of life and lust of the eye as well. And so he handled that one. The third one was suffering. So as a result of him resisting temptation, good things don't happen to Joseph. Bad things happen. He's thrown into prison, and he's forgotten about. And so he's already a slave. Now he's in prison for something he didn't do. And so John talked about the idea of when we suffer, you have to rely on muscle memory, and you have to fight, and you have to think, hey, um, have I trained during the good times so that when I'm in prison, um, the uh, my muscle memory kicks in. Right. Then we talked about uh, success. We said that hey, he gets promoted, and when you get promoted, you can get altitude sickness, uh, but that doesn't go to his head. And he's got he handles success well. Um, he does that in a God honoring way. Um, this uh, then after that we talked about let's see success, and then the world. The world. Yeah. Yep. So he was. Egyptianized, if you will, and he overcomes that temptation by, we see it because he names his kids, those Hebrew names, um, Manasseh and Ephraim. God has made me forget all the hardship of my father's house, and then um, God has also um, made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So clearly he's not Egyptianized. And then this last week was reconciliation. The Clearly, Joseph was going to have an opportunity to seek revenge, hate. He didn't have to seek reconciliation. Um, And it's really hard to see it in the passage. But as we um, kind of go through the next couple of weeks, reconciliation was clearly on Joseph's mind. Right. So, yep, there we are. That's good. Uh, Okay, so I asked some friends for some questions um, just relating to the series. And I got a few back. Um, One was just to clarify... um, and this was uh, 
I think this was from, well, I guess it's from a couple of weeks, but um, about Joseph remembering. Mm-hmm. I guess it was more this past week. But uh, the question, did he ever forget? We know he named his child um, in reference to this whole thing, but how could he have ever forgotten? Did he ever forget? Um, why is it specifically saying that he remembered? Why is it using that word? Yep. So chapter 42, verse 7, when Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. And then um, it says he recognized them. And then in verse 9, Joseph remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. Um, to me, this again shows a little bit about his character. Uh, so we're going to hit some of this. So we didn't hit everything from these chapters. So we are, we're we're going to have to reach back to some of the story. So okay. those of you who've been coming every week, you've been listening, keeping on, this is great because you're going to be able to, to see a major theme that we're building toward, which is reconciliation, forgiveness, repentance. Good. For Joseph, um, when it says he remembered it, when you think about if something like this happens to you, I, I dealt with it this week. Something happened to a couple of guys. They were involved in conflict. They could not get their mind off of it. You've been in that situation, right? Absolutely. Where something happens, maybe it happened to you, maybe it's something you said and you're like, oh, why did I say that? Whatever. And as a result, it went a week one guy wasn't able to sleep at night. Another guy, that's when I talked to him, it's the only thing he could talk about. This, 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 this. Can you imagine for 20 years if this had been on the forefront of Joseph's mind? He would have been pretty bitter probably. Bitter, angry. So when it says he remembered, it just tells me it just went on the forefront of his mind. He was able to let it go just exactly what uh, John talked about, right? When he says Manasseh, He's saying, hey, the Lord has caused me to forget this. Not like I can't recall it, right. but I'm not dwelling on it. I let it go. So to me, that's it's just a, amazing that he sees his brothers and he's like, oh, yeah. 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 For, yeah. So um, does that help? That does. I think so. Good. Uh, another question I got. Um, do you think that Jacob is repeating his favoritism tendency by keeping Benjamin behind and not sending him with the other 10? So we know that Jacob mm-hmm. favored Joseph. Um, is he now doing that with Benjamin? Short answer is yes. So do you think then that the brothers feel the same way about Benjamin that they did about Joseph? Okay, so I'm not going to answer that question. I, it's spoiler, uh. it's spoiler. So if I answer it, Okay, so I'll answer it this way. Let's go back, 42, chapter 42, verse 4. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. So clearly, clearly, Jacob is fond of Benjamin for the same reason he was fond of Joseph. He loved Rachel. Rachel gave him two kids, Joseph and Benjamin. She dies in childbirth with Benjamin. So he doesn't want to send Benjamin in case something happens to him. So I think there's favoritism there. Yes. Because um, he was able to send the other 10 without a, any hesitation. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about the hatred, did they hate Benjamin the same way? Um, I think that's the reason why Joseph is sending the brothers back to get Benjamin, because he wants to know, number one, are you telling the truth? And did you kill Benjamin like you killed me or thought you killed me? or sold me and got me out of the way. Um, 
Because if Benjamin's not there, Joseph has all the right in the world to think right. foul play on y'all's yeah. part. Yeah. Um, so I think, that's all I can say, I think Joseph is testing to see if they hate Benjamin the same way they hated him. Yeah. That's all that's I'm going to say. That's good. Yep. I like it. Okay. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit the P word. Mm. So John, John brought up the P word. Politics. Politics. Yeah. Politics. And I think, slash no, that some people's ears might have shut off at that point and not heard why he brought it up and how it played into the greater point of reconciliation this week. Mm. Um, And so I think it's worth repeating because um, I know that it can be a very divisive thing. And um, if that's all you walked away hearing and that's the only point you walked away remembering, um, you know, we want to make sure that it's in context of what he was talking about, what the greater Mm. point was. Great. So if I could give, as a communicator, if I could give some pointers to listeners, when you get in the throes of a sermon and an illustration or an analogy comes up, and especially with certain communicators, that story can be long or that analogy can be long. And if you're not careful, what will happen is you'll listen And you'll be so focused on the illustration that you'll you start to get maybe even bent out of shape about it Mm -hmm. or um, passionate about it or emotional. And in those times, you have to think, why is he saying this? Right. I just think that would be really helpful just as a communicator selfishly. Because we're not perfect, we're 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 going to think our illustration's great, and it's not. Right. Well, and I'm not saying that was the case with John. It's yeah. just times where we think it's a one to one, and the listeners like, "What are you talking about?" If you'll just ask yourself, "Why is he talking about this?" So two things John did um, Sunday was he talked about race and politics back Mm -hmm. to back, right? And so it was was a lot. It was clear on the race piece of it for us to think about it in terms of reconciliation. Black History Month, it's a big deal. We clearly struggle with race. We're we're accusing our, people accuse our president of being racist. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are big accusations. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, um, I think it's, I think we need to bring that up. There are times we need to talk about it. Uh, Black History Month clearly is an appropriate time. Yes. And as you're listening, you need to think, why is he talking about this? Oh, because we need racial reconciliation. That's what Martin Luther King was about. That's Mm -hmm. what Gerald Ford was trying to do when he installed Black History Month was to facilitate that. That was the whole point of John's message was trying to get to reconciliation. Um which would probably make a lot of sense with the politics piece. Yes. Because it doesn't get much more divisive right now. Our country is clearly divided along red and blue lines. Um, And so for John to bring it up, I don't even think he was bringing it up in terms of reconciliation, even though that was part of it. He was talking about the seared conscience of the brothers. So when Joseph gets to the brothers... And 
he hears them say, we're being punished. Remember, they're talking in in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And he says, we're being punished for what we did. And Joseph hears it and he weeps because he recognizes, hey, their conscience isn't as seared as I thought it might be. Right. Now, he's still going to test them. So then John goes on to his Creekside analogy, (laughs) which he says, I smell like it and I don't even know I smell like it. Right. We've all been there. Yes. Waffle House. True. Creekside. Where was that the other day? Oh, Moe's. I sat in Moe's the other day. They're cooking. I didn't even think about it. And I get in my car and I'm like, oh, man, smell like Moe's. Now I'm hungry. Now I'm (laughs) (laughs) So when he's starting to talk about that seared conscience, he just says, same way we don't recognize the smell on us. Then he brings up Fox News. And then he brings up CNBC. Yes. And we listen to it, and if we're not careful, um, we start talking with that same language. Mm-hmm. We use those because what those are just echo chambers is all they are. They they just echo back mm-hmm. what we want to hear. And if we're not careful, we begin to smell like right. that. So he was illustration on top of an illustration. And when he had that, I think that's where people sometimes get lost of. He was illustrating the politics after he illustrated the seared conscience of we can't smell ourselves. And so he said that, and then um, he got into Trump and Hillary. Yes. And at that point, if you're not asking, why is he talking about this? Right. Then all you're worried about is, oh, Mm -hmm. he just attacked my political candidate. And he attacked both of them, uh, Hillary and Trump. Right. Um, And then he even went in further to say Democratic Christians, Republican Christians— and there's not a such thing as that. They're just Christians, right? which that's pretty polarizing for people on either side to think, can you be a Christian and be a Democrat or a Christian and be a Republican? Yes. And so, again, if our conscience is so seared that we can't think about someone else as being that because we just smell our own stuff, yeah. right? Then, um, then maybe we need to have somebody look at us and just like Cheryl says, you smell like Creekside. Yes. And essentially John was saying, you smell like Fox News or CNBC or your identity is found in politics. Right. That's good. I don't know if it's good or not, but it's, uh, (laughs) I love that he did it. Exactly. Yeah. It would be, if we were all, if we were all really honest, preachers in the South can get up and we can rail on a certain side of politics. Yes. And we can get a lot of amens yes. and a lot of support and a lot of likes. Uh, for John to do what he did right. Sunday was, to me, refreshing. Yes. And to say, hey, man, that, that's not where our identity is. Um, and so, you know, go do your political thing. But at the end of the day, we're serving Jesus. And we're trying to promote reconciliation, not division. Right. So anyway, my two cents. That's good. No, I love that we're part of a church that's not afraid to talk about hard things Hmm. and polarizing things and, um, you know, point to the word and all of it. So that's good. Yep. I do think I've solved the problem, though, of politics. I think that you should run for president. And Hmm. I have your slogan already. So Uh, let's picture the bumper stickers. Let's get the T-shirts printed. Live dangerously 2020. 
Boom. <laughs> Boom for sure. <laughs> Boom for sure. Dangerously. Dangerously. You wow. have to add the little extra. Yeah. Little extra. 2020. Yeah. Write it in, guys. We'll start the write-in campaign now. I'll, I'll work up a GoFundMe page. Kim, you don't know me well because <laughs> me and politics. No. It, you, yeah, I just, yeah. No. Don't, don't even oh, come I tried. close. Yeah. But what a great, great slogan. Yeah. Let's just go with that for something. Man, live dangerously. Dangerously. <laughs> Russell <sorry>. Come on. <laughs> That's good. Good, good, good. Awesome. That's that's the questions I had for you today. All right. I didn't Those stump you. I tried. Maybe yeah, next good. time. Fun, fun. Well, next week we, uh, we're we right in the throes. We get to focus on Jacob. So I'm pretty pumped about Jacob. Pretty excited about that. Do I got to figure out who uh, who I would interview, who I would want to meet? Because, see, I'm thinking about in terms like if I were to, if I were to meet somebody and I ask them questions and thoughts and comments and stuff, hmm. They have to be alive. Are you worried that they won't, like, match up to what you think of them? Like, you've put them on this pedestal, and you're worried that if you were to meet them in person, they wouldn't be who you thought they were? No, I guess, no. I'm, I guess I'm just more in, in terms of, I just I want to make sure it's the right one. Well, you know what I mean? Because I, I don't want to waste it I mean, I'm somebody. not actually having you meet them. I don't have that power that I know of. I know, but, but I'm taking this really seriously. I know, Kim. I've I'm, noticed. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, man, who would I... <laughs> Who would I want to meet? Who would I want to sit down and talk to? I tell you what, probably the name that keeps coming up is Louis Giglio. Really? Okay. My and I, I guess because he uh, he doesn't know it. So Louis, if you're out there, this oh, is, he's this, out there. He's out there listening to this. Podcast. I'm sure. <laughs> Senior year in high school, go to Ruston, Louisiana for student life camp, youth camp. Louis Giglio's preaching. I have no earthly idea who Louis Giglio is. Right. right? Yeah. Most kids don't know who these camp speakers are. Yeah. I get there, and last night of camp, I remember sitting in this big arena, 2,000 kids, and I'm watching Louis go. And I'm like, I'm going to do that one day. Oh, cool. He was your inspiration. I'm going to do that one day. I already knew I was wow. going into ministry. I didn't know what. And I just remember thinking, I'm going to do that. And I've had an, I almost waited in line to see him one time at yeah. a passion conference. Yeah. Because I just wanted to go down and say, hey, you don't know me. Whatever. I just want to say thanks because what you do. Yeah. So if I got a chance to meet somebody. Yeah. It'd probably be real short and sweet, and then yeah. it would get real awkward after that. Because he'd be like, yeah, I hear that all the time. Yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> great. Um, but that, that'd probably be who it is. You, you should at him. You should, like, tweet him and tell him <laughs> that he is your inspiration. Yeah, my inspiration. Wow. And that would be really creepy. Well, I'll at him for you, and we'll oh, see. Oh, great. I'll, tell, I'll send him a Live Dangerously 2020 shirt and yeah. see if he wears it. Yeah, I got a feeling that's a no. <laughs> well, um... Let's wrap this up. I uh, I got kind of bad news for the two listeners here. <laughs> We're not going to do a podcast next week. We're going to be at Exponential. We are. It's a big we conference would. we do every year. We've done this podcast from Exponential. Yes. But this year, we are going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll hit two chapters. We'll maybe even put two or three guys in the room, try to make Again. it happen for you to catch yeah. up. So Exponential, 89 folks Crazy. are going to, to Exponential from to learn about FAC. church planning. Yeah. Across our family of churches, so we're pretty pumped about that. And so, uh, maybe Louis Giglio will be there. Maybe, um, 
I looked he's at not the, on the list, but maybe list. he's but going. But maybe he's there, incognito, <laughs> learning like we are. True story. Cool. So uh, give us a couple of weeks. We'll be back and get after it. So, Kim, thank you. Thank you. All right. See you guys next time. <laughs>